Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that explores old television to figure out why everyone's brain is broken and why everything sucks right now. I am one of your hosts. I am Marty Schneider. That intro is taken on such a life of its own. I'm Dan Ludwig. And uh, before we go any further, we do have a special guest in the studio with us today. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, the co-host of some of my favorite podcasts, History Honeys uh, and Sex Archie, which is about Riverdale. Uh, and also one half of the Let's Play duo Chip and Ironicus, and a guy who does a whole bunch of other stuff. Hey, Grant, I just realized, I do I just introduce you as Grant? Yeah, that's okay. my name. My name's Grant. It's nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> it's, it's on your, it, I don't know if we knew your last name, but it is a, that is your Twitter handle as well. Like, yeah. your Twitter name is, my name is Grant. It's you, true. So, welcome to Grant. Hello, intro, everybody. I, I thought I wasn't going to fuck up, and I did. It makes you sound like a more definitive being. You are monosyllabic. You are yeah. Grant. I'm I'm the share of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Like Bono. I was thinking more like like a god in a 70s movie. Like, you de- <laughs> you descend from the heavens and tell, like, uh, Sean Connery to kill people. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way to say that. Grant, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm already sorry. No, I'm I'm so happy to to take time to talk about a television program where people aren't being shot in the woods. That's nice. <laughs> uh, it's it's a much calmer, cooler life in the town of Mayberry <laughs> than uh, whatever's going on in upstate New York uh, on the CW these days. Yeah, Grant, for for our listeners who are completely lost right now, can you go ahead and just Tell us what you are on the internet and how uh, well, yeah. I mean, you you stuff. covered a lot of it. You can find me talking about Riverdale at Sex Archie. You can find me talking about uh, history topics at History Honeys. Uh, doing a, an actual play podcast at SixFeetsUnder.com. That's F E A T S because it's a gaming pun. Uh, and doing let's plays at chipandironicus.com. Uh, you might have caught me on the recent uh, F Plus's Garbage Day stream or anywhere else that also <laughs> has me as a guest. I'm prolific, I guess. You are actually probably our biggest guest so far. Yeah. So you were our big get. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if that like list of credentials didn't already establish that. It, it establishes that I have a microphone and don't get too much sleep. That's what it establishes. Yeah, I was about to say, just how are you a being? Like, what what are you made out of? Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a lot of opinions, not a lot of friends. So uh, I got to do something with the free time. That'll do it. That'll do it. We can one day, like, approach that level by just driving away everyone around us. (laughs) And I think you're off to a good start, having uh, listened to this show for a while. I mean, I tell people about the Andrew Griffith show now, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. On dates! He does this on first dates! It comes up! It has come up against 
just like when I run out of material, I'm like, well, you know, this probably isn't going well anyway. <laughs> when you come out of ma- material, <laughs> yeah. So you're you're also doing your tight five on dates. Yeah, no. When it's when it, when they're like, so what else do you have going on? And I'm like, ah, crap. I guess I'm talking about the Andy Griffith show now. That's how I used to describe my dates. Yeah, she was a tight five. I say. <laughs> yeah. uh... Okay. Yeah. Okay. In Dan's defense, though, everyone does, like, their same routine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, everyone's got the same monologues prepared. Everyone's got, like, here's the anecdote that makes me look good. And uh, (laughs) here's something about my mom. Like, everyone does that. That's that's not exclusive to Dan. Are your anecdotes supposed to make you look good on dates? Because I am not accomplishing that. All the, they're all just good stories that make me look like just a sad alcoholic from college. (laughs) Um, so we don't have time to unpack that, but let's move on. Yeah. Um, do we have any, I don't think we have any like announcements or anything today. So I think we can pretty much just go into our episode. Which, um, thank God Grant is here because I am honestly kind of afraid of this episode. Like <laughs> talking about does it, it. Does it radiate a powerful <laughs> energy? <laughs> talking about the, like saying that we're going to talk about the show feels like I'm being lowered into like the gorilla exhibit at the zoo. Like, yeah. I feel in danger with this episode. What what people don't know is that uh, the actress that plays Thelma Lou was housing a powerful demon. And uh, during the filming of this episode, it escaped into the film stock. What If you watch this episode enough times, just they find you alone in your room, just with like static radiating from behind your eyes. This will be the subject of an upcoming Bloomhouse film, yes. 100%. It's a scanner situation, essentially. Like, just a huge pop! There's just like, that's gonna be fun to edit. Um, so I gotta say, this is one of the meanest episodes of television I've ever seen. What goes on in this episode is meaner than anything I've seen on, like, Seinfeld or It's Always Sunny or You're the Worst or, or shows that are trying to be mean. It's like it's one of the darkest episodes of a TV show I've ever seen because you, there, you have two options watching it, which is either take the events, like, as they happen at face value, which is which none of the things they're doing make sense, or draw some conclusions about the events of this episode and you can only go to the darkest conclusions. We should start talking about what the fuck we're talking about. All right, yeah. So here's here's the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney joins the Mayberry Choir, but proves to be a terrible singer. Not wanting to hurt Barney's feelings, Andy must find a way to keep him in the choir, but neutralize his singing. So that's the the intro to the episode. The episode that we are talking about is season two, episode twenty, Barney and the Choir. Originally airs February nineteenth, nineteen sixty two. Written by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellenson, and Directed by guy who has a 1030 reservation at the downtown IHOP, Bob Sweeney. Banned from not one, not two, but three Frank Sinatra open mic nights, Bob Sweeney. Only ever cries when Mr. Holland's opus is on, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> 1985 Pontiac Fiero in a human body, Bob Sweeney. Guy who does finger guns at every single staff meeting, Bob Sweeney. Voted Eisenhower in 1968, Bob Sweeney. His black friend laughed at that joke, Bob Sweeney. A character that Golden Age Batman straight up murders, Bob Sweeney. Met his third wife on his first honeymoon, Bob Sweeney. Capitalizes the first letter of every word in his Facebook comments, Bob Sweeney. He keeps his socks and gloves on during sex, Bob Sweeney. Way too into his town's uh, high school football team, Bob Sweeney. 
B to the O to the B to Sweeney, giving you advice like Mr. Feeney, gives the direction to Barney's erections like John Cena, you can't see me. His cologne is just called Leather Couch, Bob Sweeney. Forward, 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 re, I saw this and thought of you, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) (laughs) And Grant takes the round somehow. I thought that John Cena rhyme was going to be my fucking barn buster. (laughs) You rapped and you still lost. All right, so so thank you, thank you to Grant. You can go home now. We'll we'll take over from here. Yeah, we're good. Bye, bye, Grant. <laughs> I'm yeah, already that... home. Go further home, deeper <laughs> into your house. All right, so let's let's go ahead and uh, let's get into this. Oh, actually, before we get into this, I want to ask you a question, Grant. Yes. So most of the time, we pick the guest to fit the episode, mm-hmm. but this time we gave you the list of episodes and told you to pick one. Why this one? Because it was coming up soon, and I like your show so much. <laughs> I wanted. I didn't want to wait. Oh, that's real sweet. Aww. I mean, not funny at all. <laughs> but it's true. Like I wanted to. Uh, I, I was looking at like the next dozen episodes. Uh, you know, their their titles, their their one sense descriptions, and especially their uh, uh, guest stars. And then I realized I have no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> I I don't have anything to say about any of these 1960s TV character actors. I don't I don't know them. I mean, none of the character actors are anybody. Like when we go to their Wikipedia, it's always some extremely sad life. Like, oh, uh, it looks like he uh, was in three roles, and then oh, Cary Grant ran him over with his car. Uh, I guess <laughs> I guess that's this guy's career. Uh, played a good uh, mailman. Uh, I can't wait. We get later. I've got a real good uh, character actor that appears in this episode to talk about. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Um, So let's just launch into this. So our first scene um, is Barney putting up like wanted posters. uh, But that's not how it starts. Because I want to I want to ask you to a question. How come you never talk about the friendly announcer man? Oh, why do you never talk about the the wonderful uh, radio voice trying to sell me life insurance? The Andy Griffith show. Yes, I'm starring Andy Griffith. I love that man. I I've I, always found the intro weird because it's just so straightforward. Like it's just like this is the Andy Griffith show. It stars these people. End of thought. Like he just go. It's just like. Like, like I, they didn't write anything. It's not like, welcome to the Andy Griffith show. It's- I want it I want it to end with, and that's the end of the opening. <laughs> you were supposed to learn the information I gave you. That's the point. My name is Tony. Have a nice day. Like it's In so- case of emergency, your seat can be used as a flotation <laughs> device. Like, uh, you know, I guess we've just never done it because I kind of always thought that the Andy Griffith Show intro was so ubiquitous. Like, if you know one thing about the Andy Griffith Show, you know the intro. And so I guess we You know the really... whistling. I guess. Uh, I, I, yeah. well, I actually kind of wanted to uh, maybe throw some money at someone at Fiverr and get an intro for us. It's <laughs> Breaking Mayberry, starring 
Little Danny Ludwig. Oh yeah, no, we we tried to do when we were doing our ad, we try we took turns trying to do that voice and both failed. It would make so much more sense though for your show because it feels like a real holdover from from radio dramas, radio serials. I think that's that's got to be why they're doing it, right? Like they want to sure, like have like, that. We we hadn't yet transitioned to the idea that the the visual is doing that job. You don't. I mean, th- this is redundant now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on the on the off chance that you don't know what the intro to the Andy Griffith show is, it's the whistling crazy. that you're very familiar of, uh, and it's just Andy and his son Opie walking down a dirt road to a fishing hole. And by the way, the fishing hole is the name of the song that's being whistled. Uh, it was also the initial name of this podcast before we settled on Breaking Mayberry, which is way better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, an announcer guy says it's the Andy Griffith show starring Andy Griffith and Ronnie Howard and also Don Knotts and uh, Francis Bavier, who plays Aunt B. I don't think ever gets into the credits. This is horseshit. Yeah, I mean, they gave uh, the lady who played Ellie. Who, oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot. Eleanor Donahue. Eleanor Donahue. They gave her like third billing, didn't she? Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they definitely did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, deeply soothing voice presenting almost no information. Uh, yeah, they don't even do, like, that thing that, like, old sitcoms would do where, like, all the characters would, like, look to the screen kind of, like, startled and happy. They don't do the thing where the lyrics of the theme song tell you the plot of the show. And I always like when shows do that, because it's like, oh, like an overture. Now I get what we're going for here. What is the plot of the Andy Griffith show, though? Good question. We have no idea. Uh, so, I mean, on sur- on surface, there is a town, and there are people in that town, and one of them is Andy, end of it, but I think what we've put together is, it's about a sheriff slowly consolidating power, uh, and really rising up with a totalitarian government into sort of a, like, benign dictatorship. And you can't really rhyme totalitarian with anything, the, the meter is all wrong. I know, and God help us, we've tried on this show many, many <laughs> times. There's maybe hours of deleted footage just on the cutting room floor that you can only get as a Patreon subscriber. But, okay, so, to the episode. So, so Barney is putting up wanted posters that he just got in the mail, and he's singing. And he's singing specifically about his side piece, He's singing a dirge to mourn Juanita. Yeah! (laughs) The the tone, the speed. I believe Juanita may have been recently murdered, perhaps by uh, one of the people in those wanted posters. It it makes the most logical sense. Or maybe Thelma Lou killed her because he's just, like, singing about his, his mistress. In open. <laughs> he's not, he hasn't been hiding this, and he's only getting, like, less and less subtle every single day. Right. Yeah, he's not, like, he's not complimenting Juanita in the song. He's just repeatedly saying her name and really drawing out the Ida of it. Well, yeah, he's still in mourning. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard time for a guy. Uh, so he's very bad at singing, and, well... Not very bad. Like, that's one of the things that bugs me about this he's episode. He's very bad. Yeah. He's, he's off-key on purpose. Well, well, no, he's Don like... Knotts is being off-key on purpose, but he's very off-key and very bad. And Andy is trying to do anything, He's like, to start a conversation, do anything to stop him from singing. Like, you want to talk about something? Anything interesting in those posters? What's up? Let's let's talk about this. And he, And Barney keeps ignoring him and keeps on singing. Uh, and then Aunt B rolls in, uh, Barney, like, sees himself out for, like, a, just a quick throwaway reason, and then they start talking about how Barney's singing is, like, 
transcendently bad. Like, it defies all logic. Which, I mean, it's pretty bad, but it's like, I think what kind of makes it worse is it's realistically bad. It is how a person <laughs> would actually, in real life, do a bad job at singing. It's not like, like, he's not doing, like, a cartoon character voice or anything. He's just very, very, very flat. Yeah, and uh, Andy goes on to talk about how it, it's not necessarily that he's bad, it's that he's just bad enough to get under your skin, and presumably... This has been going on for all the years they've known each other. Yeah. His... Which, this is a retcon, too, because we've seen Barney sing before. We've seen him harmonize with Andy. We've seen Andy even tell him to jump in and sing on stuff before. We, we so... all know, we all know that continuity between television episodes was not invented until 1979 mm-hmm. by Mobile Suit Gundam. Everyone knows this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the 100% tracks. They were Tracks, like... that tracks. It, Mobile Suit Gundam was actually known as the show with continuity, and then after you've been watching for a while, like, I think there might also be fucking robots in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, back then, like, you would see, like, episodes, like, wildly out of order and, like, months apart. So, fuck it. Yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah, no, uh, th- again, being super nitpicky, this was never meant to be watched the way that we watch it. Uh, whatever, move the fuck on. Yeah. Uh. Barney, like, comes back in and... Uh, starts immediately singing, and Ampy, who's been like, it's not that bad, just relax, immediately tries to make him eat a sandwich, just, like, forces <laughs> a sandwich into his mouth. Uh, and then her and Andy are just like, eat, really eat it, savor every second, keep your mouth full for the entire time that we are here. It is a good thing that Aunt B brought her patented uh, peanut butter and epoxy sandwiches. <laughs> it, it does seem the right recipe for the day. I see. I almost said uh, peanut butter and cock sandwich, but I meant like the, <laughs> the the carpentry material, and I was like, "That's gonna sound so different." <laughs> I couldn't hit the L in that spelling hard enough. So the the plot enters in the form of a guy named John Masters. We've never seen him before, um, and he's apparently the choir director for I don't know if it's like the town choir or like the church choir or whatever, but he's. He's a choir director, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he tells Andy that uh, their first tenor has just dropped out. Uh, he's got a new job that sends him all different places, and he can't make practices anymore. So, and this choir director has clearly been sweating over this. I, I imagine that's why his suit appears to be one and a half sizes too large. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's not swimming in it. He just looks like he shrank a bit. <laughs> like we we put the choir director in the dryer on accident. <laughs> Does anyone else get the feeling that the choir director looks like Barney Fife from an alternate dimension? Yes. <laughs> but the good dimension, where things are going great. Like, he looks like Barney Fife, like, from another world where he went to college and got his shit together. And uh, got that jowl surgery. So, uh, you you all know where this is going. Uh, Barney begins to sneak around and kind of do some weird acting here where he's like, Real oh. weird acting. Boy, I, uh, that's too bad. My old voice teacher, my old voice teacher used to say that a choir without a tenor is like a star without a glimmer. You know who said that? My voice teacher. When I studied voices. So, just... He's, he's, he's doing, he's real doing like a, like a Steve Buscemi thing here. 
Like just or like a like a sling like Billy Bob Thornton and sling blade like stare off into the distance kind of thing. He's like squirming a lot and like rolling his eyes around in his head. It's really weird. He's making some very weird decisions to look like he's thinking. Uh, but, gonna, let me just drop a hint. Let me drop yeah. it closer. Let me drop it on your foot. Let me let, come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Get this and, hint up in here. And so and the, the hint does make uh, penetration into <laughs> John's job. Um, and uh, John goes, oh, you sang, you studied voice? What part did you sing? And Barney, of course, says first tenor. And so John Masters goes, uh, John Masters is the choir director, goes, all right, you're in. Come join us at practice tonight. And Andy gives a great look, like superb acting on Andy Griffith's part here. Just the look on his face as he's trying to, like, correct everything and go, ah, uh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, so Andy Griffith sees what's happening here. Like, there, there's a shot of him, like, noticing Don not having an idea where he's like, oh, no, he's about to tell <laughs> a giant fucking lie. Which he definitely, like, he lies. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a trained singer as a first tenor, coincidentally. Not everybody who has training is good at what they do. I'm I'm willing to believe he studied voice from a yeah, book. Right. He he studied the third chapter of voices. <laughs> I'm even willing to believe that, like maybe in school there was a music teacher that taught him <laughs> stuff. Like on on one hand, this character lies constantly, um, like just about literally anything. On the other, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy for him to have a voice teacher who was also too afraid to tell him that he's a terrible. <laughs> Like be- because of the guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This could this could just be his curse in life, his like Greek curse. It's entirely possible that Barney did have a voice teacher before driving them to suicide. I I just there's a reason why he doesn't have a voice teacher anymore. He mm-hmm. just goes through them, just wears them out. Like, and that shoot. teacher's name Juanita. <laughs> the Mayberry Music School is just a bloodbath. So the so the director asks Barney to join, and uh, and somebody says, "Oh, Barney says, wait till Thelma Lou hears about this; she'll be thrilled." Hard cut to Thelma Lou, who is just screaming with her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she says, "Like he he can't sing," and I have like the quote written down because remember the the episode starts with him singing the name of his maybe mistress or maybe just the woman that he is desperately pining after all the time. The quote is, he's a warm, wonderful person and I love him dearly, but he can't sing. He's kind, considerate, the most gentle person I've ever known, but he can't sing. He's the man I want to marry, the man I want to father my children, but he can't sing, not a lick. So This, this is an evil twin situation. There's another yeah. Barney out there. Yeah, are we are we talking about the same Barney? Kind, considerate, gentle? I want to meet her Barney. Where's the good Barney? I want to meet this gentle, fatherly Barney. Uh, the, the first trick is to be in severe denial about where you're at in your life, <laughs> and then encounter Barney Fife, and then, boom, you've met him. I, I need to explain to Thelma Lou that there is a difference between gentleness and incompetence at violence. Yeah. He's he's tried to do harm very many times. It's just his weak little body. It it feels <laughs> like petting. The words that's killing me is kind, kind and considerate. Because I don't know. It was like two weeks ago that he ran a man out of town 
because he lost a checkers game. Yeah. Like, he, he, he caused a man's psychotic break. He was kind of a jerk, and he was considerate <laughs> of his checkers record. I don't see the problem here. I I really, the line that breaks it for me is, I want him to be the father of my children. And I'm like, that, that seems irresponsible. I, whatever, I don't know what's wrong with his head, but... Just in case it's genetic. Just in case it's genetic. We're going to chalk this up to another case of Thelma Lou deserves better, which is just a rallying cry on this show. This poor, poor woman. I want to, like, start a trust fund to get her out of this town. So the next scene is uh, the choir practice, where they sing the only song I think they know. (laughs) The, which is good old 14A, which is actually called, Grant, what is it called? Uh, this is called Voices of the Woods. Uh, it also goes colloquially uh, by the name Welcome, Spreet, Welcome Sweet Springtime, as that is the first line of each verse. Yeah. Uh, but th- it's it's an old song. It's over 100 years old. If you want to find the, uh, the sheet music to have your own... Uh, Andy Griffith tribute show or LARP or uh, any, anything like that, you can find it uh, available at the Library of Congress website in PDF. Grant dropped it in our chat for the episode, and I'm flipping through it right now. It's available. It's there. It's a terrible song. I won't point that out. This song <laughs> sucks. This song mean, fucking sucks, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that it sucks, but I do know that they they sing it about... 12 times and only the same 10 seconds of it over and song over tw- again song 12c is hey ya just flip a few pages <laughs> back come on what the fuck man <laughs> this is the things this episode does with this song is like guantanamo bay torture where it's just welcome to springtime over and over and over and over <laughs> like it's trying to break you they start to sing and our choir director realizes, well, somebody's very flat. And they sing again. Nope, someone's definitely flat. So vo- Barney, you know, being Barney, sneaks up and he says he's going to volunteer to move around and find out who the flat singer is. This choir is 12 people, max? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a lot of room to move. No. Right. And he's trying to be like the choir Gestapo. Uh, he, he's <laughs> immediately just identify like volunteering to be the choir narc yes, yeah exactly yes. that's what barney does he's like hey what's up uh how's this situation going do you need a narc for any reason yeah Anybody every does? every good choir needs a, a conductor <laughs> an accompanist and a snitch <laughs> he is he is finding bold new ways to be a snitch just just inc- exciting frontiers of narking Every day at 2.55, Barney rides on a bike past the schoolhouse and just yells, You forgot to give them homework! <laughs> that reminds me, where is Opie? Who is watching the very fragile, dangerous child? Oh, that's true. All three adults in his life are in that room. So. Jesus! His entire family and their closest friends, and I'd say about 40% of the town, are in this room together. Where is the child? I feel like you've introduced something into this show that a question that we haven't been asking a lot, which is who is watching Opie? Because that happens a lot. I mean, I don't think we've seen Opie for like eight episodes. He burns down barns left he, unsupervised. He just 
burned down a bar like a week ago. He, you just finished teaching him that he can't do that. And now you're just like, he'll be fine. He can watch himself. This is, he can chill out. Well, the way I see it, his lesson's been learned. I don't need to teach him no more. But, you I'm know, Andy Griffith. Grant, can you do that for me one more time? Just especially the Andy Griffith, the I'm Andy Griffith part. I'm Andy Griffith from Motel Six. We'll leave the <laughs> light on for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Uh, well, well, what it was was a podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're definitely using. We're clipping that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Barney proceeds to narc. And then eventually everybody figures it out, like, the choir teacher figures it out first, and then everybody else figures it out, like, oh shit, this guy sucks. Yeah. Maybe we should have, like, had him audition or something (laughs) before we just gave him the first tenor in this. Yeah, because this isn't just some podunk small town choir for funsies there's a competition coming there's judges there are judges at their next concert to like uh gate the competition entry they're in a step up scenario with this choir and they're going to be caught completely flat-footed yeah emphasis on flat clearly but we we should have like put that in there is something somewhat resembling stakes here, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a novelty for this show. But yes, uh, there will be judges for like the state singing competition at their next concert who is going to determine whether they qualify for the state singing competition or, or something. Whatever. If whether they or not they up, go to regionals. Yeah, if they fuck up this concert, then they don't get to compete or something. That That's good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, so also, next... I just want to point out real quick that, like, the reaction that all that masters and the extras have when they realize that Barney sucks at singing, it's not like, like casual, like ah, uh, like arms crossed, like exaggerated grumpiness. They're all like playing it upset, <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone is horrified and like, like basically they're doing the acting as if someone had just shot Andy Griffith in the head. In the middle of the scene. And they keep doing that throughout the episode. It's really weird. So, back at Andy's house, um, mm-hmm. Thelma Lou enters the living room and basically is, they're like, Were you followed? Does anyone know you're here? Like, they're planning to assassinate Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, and and she describes the way that she got there, and she was like, I had Barney drop me off, I waited until he'd driven away, and then I slipped out the back door and came here on foot. So, she's like... Yeah, she's dressed in her fatigues. Yeah. yeah her, her face is all smeared in mud <laughs> and green paint. Yeah, no, I a kid saw me, I had to take him out, but anyway, I think he's not going <laughs> to find us. That's where Opie is, damn um, it. <laughs> Yes. So, 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 uh, the choir director, Masters, says that he's called this emergency meeting, and Andy's probably thinking, "Well, thanks for volunteering my house, Dick." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he says he's going to kick Barney out of the choir, which I should remind everyone is his job. Yeah, that is what he's supposed to do. But it would also would have been his job to. Hold an audition. I'm sorry. We have to hold Masters a little responsible for this shit. Like, no, this is the, mostly on him. The guy said he had credentials. He said he was trained. I mean, he should have checked his resume or just been like, oh, your, your singing teacher whose name was... And then Barty would have been like, 
Jonathan Sing Teacherton? Like, and then he would have been like, okay, well, you're not in it. But- no, horseshit, horseshit. Like, no matter how good your credentials are, you still have to audition for stuff, right? Okay. Like, so so you're saying like, bo- that both Andy and the choir director are at fault. You're saying there should be no sheriffs and no masters. Yes, no okay. sheriffs. No. no gods, no kings, no choir directors. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're going for. But yeah, so... I mean, I will, I'll, I'll take his, there, there were on a time crunch. The guy said he like was a trained singer and they were like, his back was really up against the wall. And when Don Knotts was saying that he was a great singer, Andy just stared at him. So I placed this pretty (laughs) squarely on Andy's shoulders. All right. So anyway, he's going to kick Barney out of the choir and Andy's like, well, you can't do that. And not on the same day you invited him to join. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't do like tomorrow. Then tomorrow. Yeah. Then <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it kind of uh, reminds me of the, just the they're so skittish about hurting Barney's feelings in this episode that it kind of reminds me of the episode of the Twilight Zone where that kid had psychic powers and could kill them all with a thought. They're like, you can't, you can't upset Barney. He can't dare know that he can't sing. Otherwise. Well, I can't say. It 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 feels exactly like that, but kind of like crossed with that Jim Carrey movie, The Cable Guy. It's so, yeah. So, it, it, Andy says like they can't do that. Uh, Master says he has to, or Barney will literally ruin the entire choir. And then Andy just says, well, there has to be another way. And they, they kind of play hot potato with a little bit, like, uh, like, Thelma Lou, you tell him. No, Aunt B, you tell him. No, Andy, you tell him. And then Master's like, I'll tell him. Master's just fucking cold at this shit. He doesn't care. He's like, I'll tell him. Let him hang himself in the fucking jail. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, the best was uh, Andy's like, Thumbaloo, you're his girl. And Thumbaloo's like, Aunt B, he likes you. And Aunt B's like, I fucking hate him. Andy, you actually like this person. You take care of this. I, I, I gotta say, I, I feel like Thumbaloo knows exactly where she ranks. Because it went from, like, you're his girl to, you're someone he likes. Yeah. Like, like, she passed that ball. Like, apparently girlfriend doesn't pull rank on this one. Like, Aunt B, he's never shot you. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, Aunt B. I just lie back and think of England so that he doesn't, (laughs) you know, go murder someone in the night. Yeah, like, am I not doing enough to control this man's murderous rages? I'm being Selma Lou. Like, can <laughs> someone else take one for the team once? It cannot all be on Selma Lou. Yeah. Justice for Selma Lou. Anyway, so they're just like, well, we got nothing we can do. And he says, well, maybe he'll fall down and break his mouth, which is like a weird curse to like lip set on your best friend like <laughs> to which i they cut to the next scene but master should have been like <laughs> no but seriously what are you going to do uh, but then they're just like smash cut to the next practice which is at someone's house i don't know it's a hidden clandestine choir practice I'm they have starting to think like okay remember that episode so long ago when you two went on for an hour about uh when Andy said that, you know, it, it's their duty to have to make sure a little crime happens just so that cops have something to do. Right. Mm-hmm. If this is what happens in the absence of crime, he had a point. <laughs> he was on to something. I mean, yeah, no, Barney just kind of turns into 
a musical demon that torments the poor people of Mayberry, just traveling from door to door, singing his haunted songs. Uh, you know, Grant, you may have a point there, because I have, like, a hunch, and based on what we've seen so far, that, like, all of the Andy Griffith episodes that actually involve a crime, that involve, like, Andy and Barney bumbling dipshit cops those are actually pretty good yeah like i actually enjoy those and then all the ones that are just like oh the town of mayberry and its wackiness i fucking hate yeah all garbage so if maybe if andy had a real job he wouldn't just be meddling with this choir business all the time yeah fucking mary worth ass motherfucker (laughs) but they they've also keep being like like hey barney have you fixed that stop sign yet and he's like i'll get to it I'm busy fantasizing about murder. Uh, like he, so he, they have him like non-crime shit for him to do, and he's just like, no, 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 no. I need to go sing in people's foyers. Let me just play the harmonica, and and I'm surprised there was no harmonica joke in this. Incredible. I, like I feel like they abandoned yeah. that in season two. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a secret choir practice. So now they're inconveniencing all fourteen people that are in this, like, uh this thing they're they're sneaking around like they don't want to be uh found by the gestapo uh and mm-hmm. so they're having a secret practice barney uh, fife and, proud member of the gestapo yes mm-hmm. and barney keeps finding them and and you know masters is just like or you could let me fire him and you know no and they start to sing good old 14a we get the first two lines welcome sweet spring time will greet the in song and doorbell so this moment crystallizes what this episode is, because this episode is a shitty sitcom, but this episode is a great horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Every The doorbell rings, and everyone freezes, and all the extras, again, they're doing the most severe acting choices. They're like, all their eyes go wide, and they're like, please, no, no, he can't have found us, please. And then, like, Master starts slowly walking towards the door. Like, he's walking towards, like, the gallows. And then, like... I mean, the the shot of him opening the door is very, like, um... It's very, like, the shot of opening the door in The Thing from Another World. Yeah! And, and honestly, if they had just quickly cut to one of the people in the choir quietly sobbing, I would it would have been not a little bit out of place. Uh, but then they this is, op- what, this is what I think horror music sounds like. Yeah, no, you or just like what one of the women doing the Hitchcock str- scream, putting her hands up to her face as Bar- yes. Barney like bursts through the door like a fucking xenomorph, just like hey everybody. I'm surprised he didn't have the axe. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, just the gangly waving his arms like, hey, everybody, uh, it's Barney here to join choir practice through a crazy series of events. I happen to be in front of your house, and I heard you sing. Dan, I love your notes sometimes, because you have a note written here that says, everybody looks like they're in hell. <laughs> they do. They start to sing, and everybody's eyes are screaming. It's, it's insane. Everybody is so, like, visibly unhappy. Uh, so, next scene. We're back in the jail, and Master's like, I'm going to fire this guy. (laughs) Because otherwise, whoever's in charge above me is going to fire me, because I'm not doing my job. 
That's definitely how choir directors work, where there's a seniority right. change. There's seniority. Mm-hmm. You know. And there it gets all the way up to the Secretary of Health and Human Services. <laughs> yeah, no, Masters is going to have to turn in his badge and his gun if he can't get this choir under control. <laughs> so so the concert is the day after tomorrow. And... But, but again, they, they dwell on the, the need to uh, solve this problem. We, we can't... Uh, have Barney sing, but we can't tell Barney he can't sing. They they talk about protecting Barney's feelings with all the weight, like deciding who's going to shoot Old Yeller. I'm so sick of this. I'm so tired of protecting this fragile little man's feelings. He's bad at so many things. We can let him know about one of them. Just let him know about one thing he's bad at. You have so many options. So given the series of events and how convoluted they- I want to see Barney Fife run for president. (laughs) And no one has the heart to tell him that he would be very bad at it. And he wins with 100% of the national vote. Or or no one tells him he lost and he just like (laughs) tries to fight his way through the White House gate. Well, hey, Andy, they won't let me in. Andy. Uh, So, I mean- I, I tried to not, like, jump to a conclusion on this, but given the, the lengths they go to to keep Barney from knowing that he's bad at singing and just, like, the fact they're just like, can't tell him, can't tell him he's bad at singing, I kind of couldn't help but draw the conclusion. I was like, if Barney finds out that he's bad at singing, he's going to kill someone else or himself. Like, no, he's yeah, going to climb a clock tower with a rifle. I'm still stuck on this President Fife plot. Oh my god, that would be the best way to to wrap up the series. Oh, they, god. they don't let him know he didn't win the election. He goes off to Washington. He doesn't understand why no one's respecting him. He shoots the real president. It's just like uh, Charlie Gateau. 100 percent and and that's the end of the series. the the hanging of the mad Barney Fife that just in complete denial, just like he can't fit the idea that he's, he's trying not pres- to pardon himself from in prison because he still believes he's president. He didn't even tell anybody that he was running. He just was like, <laughs> you know, like Lincoln didn't campaign for president. Like he, he just like ju- just sent a letter to like uh, to the election commission just saying like, hey, I'm running. And then was ho- like couldn't fit the idea that he hadn't won into his head. I think statistically, one of our listeners has to write fanfic. If you got, if you could just like crank that out for us real fast, yeah, that would be you, awesome. You send us this. So, joke I should have told about three minutes ago, Dan. <laughs> Dan, it doesn't matter if he climbs up into the clock tower with the rifle because he's only got the one round, so it's not a big deal. That's true. <laughs> but then why are they afraid? Because they're not. They don't react with like pity. They're not like, ah, oh, we'll break the poor little guy's heart. They're like, no. No, 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 no. He can't, he, he can't, can't know. He can't know. He can't know he's no. a bad singer. Are you kidding me? No. God, no. Please, anything but that. Like, it's fear. They're afraid of him knowing this. And, in fact, this leads into Andy's final conclusion, which is that, uh, after supper tonight, we'll take him in, set him down, talk to him, raisin with him, and then tie him up and put him in the closet. We have to physically bind this man until he calms down. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> he's going to do something if he finds out that he's a bad singer because he's going to have like uh just this this flashback to all the times that he thought he was a good singer 
uh, and wasn't. Like he did it. He probably did like eight talent shows and just immediately like have a psychotic break. You can ask for all the fanfic you want, but I want the recut of that scene where they take out the laugh track and they just linger on Andy for a bit as he sits in solemn determination to carry out this plan. <laughs> I'm uh, given what what not having a laugh track does does to like Seinfeld. I'm pretty sure that Andy Griffith's show without a laugh track could be considered a lethal weapon. Like you could, <laughs> you could drop that into hostile nations and just level city blocks. Uh, so they go and talk to Barney uh, at Andy's house, and they're gonna talk to him. But Barney says, "Oh, you know what? You're right. We haven't been practicing enough. It's time to sing good old 14A. Well, come see things." And then Opie shows up. Opie's there, and Opie is the only person on around who's just like, "He sucks. He sounds terrible." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And here's, here's the thing, like, they have to cover, like, Aunt B and Andy have to cover Opie's mouth, because Opie, as we all know, human loudspeaker. Opie will stand up on that piano and just, like, get a little megaphone and go, you suck! Hey, Bonnie, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm gonna no. direct Apollo 13 one day, I'm untouchable, fuck you. Yeah, no, he... That's he... exactly what Ron Howard sounds like, that <laughs> every... Every episode of Arrested Development sounded exactly like that. Good job, Grant. I'm going to do an entire Star Wars in a week and a half. Fuck you. The second that they stopped filming the Andy Griffith show, he started sounding exactly like that. They were like, great cake, Ron. He's like, it's Ron. I'm going to do. I'm going to direct Apollo 13. You'll call me Ron or Ronald. You know what? You don't deserve Ron. George Michael and maybe found themselves in an embarrassing situation. <laughs> That's going to make sense. I'm going to blow your fucking mind. You know uh, what makes these happy days? When you shut your fucking mouth. That's what <laughs> makes these happy days. What, what's happy days? Don't fucking worry about what's happy days. <laughs> it's for me to know what's happy days and you to find the fuck out. I'm little Ronnie Howard. I'm a time-traveling man who's trapped in the body of a child. And, and you thought my brother was the weird one. That <laughs> shows what you know. We're bouncing somewhere between, like, construction foreman, Italian gangster, and 50-year-old chain-smoking woman. <laughs> so, that one character from Futurama. Yes. Uh, what the fuck are we doing here? They start to sing. What show uh, is this? <laughs> they start to sing, and then Andy has a, a master plan, which is gaslight, my best friend. Yeah. Um, he looks... He my looks... that he has throat cancer. <laughs> well, let's, let's just escalate the living shit out of this. Well, uh, he, he talks about a giant lump, but they uh, try to convince him he's contagious, so it's not throat cancer. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so Andy looks in Barney's mouth and says, oh my god, there's something going on in your throat. You gotta go. You gotta go. You've probably got strep throat or something or whatever. We don't have fucking vaccines. Like, get a, get the hell out of here. You're gonna, you're, hey man, just real quick. You're about to fucking die. You probably can't sing. Anyway, go home, make peace with whatever god you worship. Get the fuck out of my house. Well, Barney, your glands are gonna explode. <laughs> oh, Barney, I'm just see, I, your throat is more pus than throat. I can't even see the inside of a neck in there. Well, Barney, you're looking like a bullfrog back there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, darn it, Barney! You not long for this world. Better go home to die. So they kick, they kick Barney out, and then like the next scene is I don't know, 
Two hours later, there's a doorbell, and Barney shows up, and he's like, hey, guess what? I'm not sick. I went to the doctor. We stopped by his house, and uh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. My throat is the same as everyone else's. Uh, he does this real funny bit about uh, that throat, that lump you saw? That's a, that's a uvula. Do you know that you have a uvula? I got a uvula. They got a uvula. You got a uvula. Every, all the guys' children got a uvula. It's actually real funny. I like that. I had no idea that they uh, uh, quoted the end of Rocky Four from this. I, I love when <laughs> Sylvester Stallone gets up and screams, I got a uvula. <laughs> and if you got a uvula, maybe we all got uvulas. And, and the Politburo claps, and, and it's amazing. And, you know, we can uh, all just kind of be united in the fact that Regardless of our differences politically, religiously, culturally, we all do have uvulas. And I think we can sort of like take, like gather around that as like a campfire of humanity. I'd like to buy the world a <laughs> uvula. <laughs> uvula. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to point out that they go to Dr. Kravitz. They stop by Dr. Kravitz's mm-hmm. house. So his uh, dick let's... falls right out. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just you to be clear. that joke. <laughs> I wrote down Dr. Kravitz, and I was like, no one else is going to think of the Lenny Kravitz dick joke. Everyone else forgot that that happened. <laughs> Fuck. So they go to Dr. Kravitz. So I just want to say, the score right now is black people, seen, but no names, Jews, named, but not seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, Name, that's the score. And then quietly cursed under your breath. Like, goddamn you, Dr. Kravitz. That's that's the score. Just so we're, in case you're keeping track, which I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Barney woke up the town doctor in the middle of the night to look at his throat so that he could sing in the choir. Again, horror movie. You can't escape him. You He's think just you got so him? excited. Like I, I love Barney's childlike innocence in this episode. <laughs> he, he wants to help his friends win the big singing match. <laughs> he counterpoint. No, he does not want to help. He wants to sing in the big singing match. He could give a shit about his friends. He just happens to think that his skills are. Uh, entirely, you know, key, the, the, the necessary capstone. Uh, he's you the know, MVP in the big singing match. What he thinks is that all of his friends suck ass at singing and that without him, they are 100% doomed. That no way in hell are they passing. So he's just like, oh, my poor piece of shit can't sing for crap. Friends need me. I better bang on the doc's door at 1 a.m. So... Uh, God, where the hell are we? The next day is choir practice. Every single scene in this is just choir practice to choir practice to choir practice. There's a next big a concert. They need their practice. <laughs> so the, the next the next thing they try is uh, a brand new gambit. They're going to make Barney a soloist, but his soloism is going to be just recitations. He's just going to do, like, a little spoken word. And the... So- the the I, 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 let, me, let me clear it up. The impetus for this... The, yes, the, like, yes. Is... Is that somebody says, how can someone sing so weirdly, but talk so normal? And, <laughs> no? <laughs> Have you listened to this man talk? What? Again, so many times in this episode, characters say things that make me go, Barney fight, right? They're talking Barney, about Thelma's Barney, the, the good the, twin. The Barney that we know, like, you and I are talking about the same Barney. Barney from yeah. Earth 2, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah, like he talks so normal. Don? No, he doesn't. He like, always sounds like he's being electrocuted, like like <laughs> low grade electrocuted. Don not sound like he sounds like he swallowed a slide whistle as a child and it never came out. He, well, hey there, Anna. Don Knotts is constantly in a state of somebody squirting him with a garden hose. <laughs> ah! no! Don Knotts constantly sounds like they just invented auto tune, but they kind of have to use like a pipe organ for it. Like it, it has, doesn't really work yet. If you play a Modest Mouse song backwards, it's just Don Knotts' regular speaking voice. <laughs> yeah. Don Knotts was the inspiration for the theremin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but, all right, before, when, there's a great moment in this where, uh, Andy is like, so Barney, we're going to make you the soloist, and John Masters is, like, standing between them, and he immediately gets a kind of face of, like, I'm in hell, I, I didn't survive that car crash, I'm in hell, and I'm being tortured for something, because there's no other explanation for why this man would be doing this to me, like, just shoot pure like they're driving this man insane. This is all he probably this is his job. This is all he has. And Andy's making it as insanely difficult as possible. Uh so they tell Barney, no, you're just gonna recite. It's gonna be your dramatic voice, and you're just gonna recite lyrics to your solo. And Barney's like, That sucks. Mm-hmm. Um Okay. So they try to do this and they sing Welcome Spring Sweet Time. Welcome, see, welcome, sweet springtime. Nailed again, it. <laughs> again. Proper title, Voices of the Woods. There we go, nailed it. So Barney starts to recite, and of course he breaks into song about halfway through. And he does kind mm-hmm. of the, uh, like, Chris Kattan, the mango kind of thing. Like, why would you ever tell a bird to just talk? Would you tell a bird to go cheap, cheap, cheap? No, such as Barney. Did you actually reference the SNL skit Mango? Like, yes, Chris, I did. You, I, honestly, I'm impressed that you referenced a Chris Kattan skit. I thought those had all been lost to time. I I actually really like the Mango skits. I don't know why they get me somewhere. <laughs> but uh, th- this, I don't know why he's uh, uh, objecting so much. This this is a recognized. Uh, technique in in musical performance dating back at least to Ordo Vertutum from uh, 1151 the the first morality play ever written uh the the ancestor of all opera uh this was a show with like 47 parts i want to say uh and one of them was the was satan who only shouted everyone else sang so played by ron howard medieval (laughs) liturgical music you joke but i would totally watch a play where ron howard played a screaming satan one child ron howard to be specific Grant, that's what you get for trying to teach people stuff on our show. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to a, a recent History Honeys episode called Two Playwrights. <laughs> Marty, uh, bleep out, don't bleep out the, uh, the, the tie into his other podcast, but do bleep out all the information that he gave to our <laughs> listeners. Uh, we can't have them learning things. <laughs> if they get, like, slightly smarter, they will leave us. So, Andy's got another plan. Um, and his plan is fucking straight out of 
singing in the rain. Uh, his plan is that he's going to put a dead microphone on stage. And he's going to have Glenn Cripe singing into an offstage microphone. So I have a couple of questions. Number one, why isn't Glenn Cripe in the choir? He is. Uh, okay, then. Th- th- no, yeah, he sneaks off during the show. He's in the okay. choir. He's just their fucking baritone. So they're out yeah. of baritone. Yeah, they, they clearly state that he's not a tenor, and he's definitely not. And Andy goes, who gives a shit? Yeah. We apparently. <laughs> so here's the Barney's thing. Barney's dumb. Thing. He believes the throat lump. <laughs> Yeah, no, but apparently you can just sing, have him sing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you even need a first tenor to begin with? If apparently you can just have your bass baritone. Look, we're desperate. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you you no. can say all you want about this sitcom actually being a horror movie. No, no, this is a long form improv exercise. Okay, so... Uh, the, the first portion, most of the cast didn't want there to be a plot, and uh, the, the guy playing the choir director was trying to instigate, he's trying to do uh, things behind people's backs and cause drama, and then the whole regular cast is telling him, nah, nah, but then eventually Andy is like, fuck it, we're going full <laughs> Millie Vanilli, we're, you want a plot, I'll show you a goddamn plot, this is, this is, the, this is our story now, fuck you. Hold okay. up, this should disqualify them from, yeah. from regional. Yeah, they, They're cheating. They cheat. They risk disqualification. They risk ruining everything rather than tell a man that he's not very good at singing. You maybe realize that by mentioning M- Millie Vanilli. They, they just, yeah. No, they, they've completely dishonored the, the art of the choir. I want to take a quick sidetrack here. Uh, so Glenn Kripe is played by an actor and singer named Delos Jukis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Dale Jukis was, he was a bass singer and apparently he'd done obviously a bunch of, uh, Broadway stuff, but he was in a bunch of, uh, mo- movie musicals, uh, in the 10 commandments. He's the voice of God. Uh, he's actually worked a couple times with Ron Howard and Don Knotts before he was in the music man. Uh, and I found a lot of his information on famous Mormons.net. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because uh, Delos Jukis also sang with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, and altogether, he was in about 300 films. Uh, and the comments from the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki about him uh, feature a couple of people claiming that he was their uncle or grandfather. So good for them, commenters. Uh, but so yeah. From a large and, and uh, fertile family. <laughs> sure, clearly. I mean, he probably had, like... 27 grandkids so the jukuses spread far and wide <laughs> yeah so Dalos jukuses on on famousmormons.net 500 years from now one in six human beings will be descended from the jukus line <laughs> he's the genghis khan of america oh christ um yeah so basically the i think the way this show this episode happened was like they came up with this set piece that they wanted yes, to do. Absolutely. Would, would, yeah. would, would anyone like to see here's some more famous Mormons from famousmormons.net, or should you should we just leave that alone? Lay them on me. Yeah, I'm not opposed. All right. So on the front page featured is Madeline Page, mm-hmm. David Archuleta from uh, the you know, American Idol, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons, uh, Steve Young, Lindsey Sterling, and Mitt Romney. Like Mitt Romney probably is the most famous Mormon. Is the Mitt most Romney's famous Mormon, Mormon? And, he, and he's listed sixth here. <laughs> <laughs> he got six billing. 
under imagined dragons. That's like 80% of his identity as a human being that he's Mormon. And he didn't beat the imagined dragons guy. Well, there's there's the most Jesus. famous Mormons, and then there's the Mormons that we want to associate with. <laughs> I feel like they had to put him on the list, but they they tucked him down. They're like, you 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 like you like bands? Do you like bands? Mitt, we got to get these millennials. And what do these millennials like more than Imagine Dragons, their favorite band? <laughs> I'm, I'm, all right, that that good. I'm good bit. I'm glad we did that one. <laughs> That was good. That was good. Uh, yeah. So uh, they basically what they did was uh, they came up with the idea of what if there was Barney singing, but also uh, he thought he had a much deeper voice because a guy with a deeper voice was singing into a microphone off stage. Uh, let's invent a problem that requires that solution, and then just worked backwards, which we've seen the Andy Griffith show do a couple times. Where there's just, like, a weird thing they want to see happen, and then they create, like, a Rube Goldberg, <laughs> like, episode to make that a requirement that requires several crazy leaps in logic. Uh, so, I mean, they say that they're going to do that plan, and then they, they do it, and it happens. <laughs> the way they pull this off is... Uh... Andy tells Barney that this is like a special, super sensitive microphone. At, at the like, rehearsal. The, right, the, the final rehearsal. rehearsal. <laughs> their dress, I guess. Their tech rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he, they point out this, this microphone and says, it's real sensitive. It's not plugged in now, but you got to make, you got to be real quiet. And they get him like down to the point where he's basically lip syncing. Uh, he's basically just, you know, making zero noise. And Andy Did reassures you? Barney, you know, that don't worry, don't worry. Everything's gonna like appear. It's gonna come out over the loudspeaker and you're gonna hear yourself and it's gonna sound fantastic. Did you notice Gaslighting Part Two? Did you notice the, the background actor between the two of them, another guy in the choir? Tell us about it. Oh my god, it's the best part of the episode. Uh he is just watching this like comedy double act between the two of them and loving it. He, oh! his, his eyes are going back and forth between Andy the... and Barney and he starts to chuckle. And then by the end, he's, he's starting to break and he turns away and has to cover like the lower part of his face with his hand. <laughs> so he doesn't ruin the... the shot. It's so is, good. Is it the guy with the slick back hair? And like, he's like a really like broad jaw. Like, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the way he's, loving it he's having the best time of his life he's, in this scene he's got front row seats to it to an andy griffith comedy show and he yeah. is loving life god yeah no i think the, I, I imagine that the the only reason he's still in is either a they're like well the the choir uh singers would be really enjoying this moment or be they're just like we're drunk on highballs fuck it <laughs> I'm not reshooting this. From his perspective, all he sees is the back of their head, so they must be really funny in real life. <laughs> the humor radiates off of them like pure energy. Just, just like coming out of that bald spot and hitting him right in the in the funny bone. This was the only take where uh, they they didn't actually pick up his raucous guffaws on the yeah. boom mic. Uh, they 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 just had to roll with it. They ran out of videotape. Uh, they actually have to, like, film the Andy Griffith show really carefully because by the end of every single scene, uh, all the, ca all, all the crew members were just, like, 
having almost epileptic fits of pure humorous joy. The like, key grip's job was to mop up the floor all these people wetting yeah. themselves with laughter. They could not film the Andrew Griffith show in a carpeted area. They, they <laughs> could not get insured. Uh, so then, as Dan pointed out, it happens. The, the plan works. The next scene is that we hear uh, Delos Jukis. It would be less suspicious if they use a phonograph. Like, if they use a recording. This, in the middle of the song, this dude in the back row yeah. just is like, sorry, excuse me. Sorry. And he pieces out. And then a minute later. And they, they picked the dude with the most distinctive voice. Yes. Like, yes, they did. They picked a guy that you would like, if you knew him at all, you'd be like, oh shit, that's Glenn Cripe. Like, that's clearly, I, I know what he sounds like. Imagine. He being, sounds like, he, he sounds, sounds like, like God. Fucking, he okay. sounds like Tony the Tiger grew a third testicle. Like, imagine I know Glenn what this dude Cripe's sounds like. Family at this thing, just like seeing me like I'm so excited to watch Uncle Cripe sing. Where the fuck is he going? What? The, <laughs> you know, why did I think of guy it? sound like my uncle now? What the fuck is happening? Now that I, I think of it, my image for God is Tony the Tiger with three testicles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that that tracks, yeah. I mean, can you imagine a more benevolent, loving god than a tri-testicled tiger? It, hey, Tony, what's it like having three testicles? It's not as great as you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in chronic pain! <laughs> you know, but, but Dan, you do have a good point. I mean, what we've learned is that this entire 400-person auditorium is at least 70% the grandchildren and, and nibblings of, of Glenn Cripes. Yeah! Yeah, there's, there's so many jukuses in the audience. Like, <laughs> And they're all just like, I guess this, I guess I wasted my night because he's leaving? I... I can, I, Does I Grandpa that... really have to pee now <laughs> yeah. of all times? It's cool. Grandpa told me I couldn't miss this, but f I guess he can. So great. <laughs> I canceled a date for this. Awesome. I had to cancel 17 babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they do the Jukus jive. And... Uh... <laughs> And then everybody claps for Barney. And Barney does not pick up that something is wrong or different. He's just, he is able to be convinced that that's just how the acoustics go. That's and, yeah. they do, and then they do that thing that's like always weird in movies where like the band comes together at the very end and they play one song and they're like, good night, Seattle. And I go, that's not how concerts work. Okay. Yeah, okay. And they just, they just peace out after the first song. So this is the part in a horror movie where you have killed Jason. You like you you trapped Jason and he got sucked into like the uh uh the wheat thresher or whatever and you're pretty sure he's dead. And then the stinger is the part after that in a horror movie where Jason uh, come like bursts back through the floorboards and stabs you to death. All right, no no no. I'm going to I'm going to say something about the stinger we're about to talk about. Like I've mentioned how mean Andy is being this is the meanest thing he's done to Barney <laughs> on this entire show. And the show is clearly on his side. We're supposed to think that Andy's doing something clever and fine and dandy. But it is a mean fucking thing to do to your best friend. Like, so 
So Barney, Bar- Barney was just loving his time on the top. He has never uh, enjoyed the sound of his own voice as much as he did that night when it was not his own voice. Uh, just the the way he gets into the song after get, overcoming his own moment of surprise is really funny. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Don Knotts' choices in this are very good. So actually. so even now in, in the next day, yes, this stinger scene, he is riding high. He's on cloud nine. I gotta say, credit where it's due. This is a very strong Knotts episode. Oh, Knotts <laughs> crushes it. Yeah. Um, but so the next day, he's really excited. And he's like, wow, I couldn't even believe that was me. And Andy, like, passes it off. It's like, well, you ever hear yourself on the telephone? You, you know, no one knows how they really sound. And Barney goes, yeah, I guess that's true. Boy, I'm looking forward to singing with the choir again. And this is and Andy says, oh, well, I'm uh, I'm afraid you can't do that. Barney goes, well, why not? And Andy says, well, you know the prize they gave you? And uh, Andy was, or Barney says, like, what, the, like, $10 gift certificate to, like, the general store? And Andy says, well, yeah, no, that means you're a paid singer now. You're a professional singer, and we can't have professional singers in the choir. It would mess everything up. So looks like you're forbidden to sing with us ever again, professional singer. And Barney's, like, disheartened about this for like two seconds like he takes this really well honestly (laughs) (laughs) oh we're gonna talk about this because i i disagree pretty hard well he he says it like he says like that's really upsetting and disappointing but at least now i have a backup plan if i don't have to be a, a deputy i can always go into show business and he smiles and everyone goes on this is so mean it's such a mean lie to tell someone you're such a dick, Andy. But it's the one time where he gets instant comeuppance because now Barney can never stop singing this yeah. awful, awful yeah, song. Yeah. He, he, that's the, the Jason bursting out from under the floorboards where like, yeah, he thinks yeah. he's dead. And then he's like, but I need to sing all the time to you because I can't be in the choir anymore. Uh, welcome like, to Andy your own- built this labyrinth of lies in order to get what he wants, but he does not notice that he is trapped inside as well Juanita. until it's too late. <laughs> he he has built his own labyrinth. He becomes the Minotaur. Juanita. Should we should we keep talking while you do Juanita him or No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, so I would say that, like, I mean, Barney doesn't seem, like, too broken up about it, he's just like, oh, I'm going out on top, I legally can't sing with the choir anymore because I'm too good at singing? Fucking great! It, like, I don't think he's, he's not, like, upset about it. Uh, I mean, Andy is ethically dubious but not to barney to literally everybody other than barney he, <laughs> no, he no. should buy john masters a fucking car <laughs> he should at least give uh mr jukes a ten dollar gift certificate to the general store jesus <laughs> yeah he, yeah that's true that's true mr juke has just got screwed out of like his prize that he rightfully earned he he took Ten years off of John Master's life with this bullshit to benefit Barney's ego. He and shrank Barney... another two inches over the course of this episode. That suit is hanging off him now. Yeah, no, God, it, he's it, basically a skeleton. It's incredible that it did, that he just didn't like slip out through the neck hole and it just <laughs> fall to the ground around him. 
uh, this poor emaciated man that Andy almost killed. Uh, and Barney got a standing ovation. Barney's fine. Uh, all right. So that seems like a good segue into ratings. Um, let's start with the Andy meter. How good is this episode? How much did you actually enjoy it? Uh, Grant, as our guest, you want to start off? I mean, the big funny bits, uh, the the tech rehearsal and the performance were very funny. As a percentage of the entire runtime, that that's not a great. It's uh, <laughs> not a great endorsement, but six or seven. Yeah, let's give it a seven. I'll I'll be a. I'm a glass half full guy today. Dan. Uh, so in terms of like making sense as an episode of television and being a like a cohesive story, I don't think it's very good. Like. It doesn't make any sense why the characters are doing any of the things they're doing. As a horror movie, I, <laughs> which I again insist this is very good, I'm going to put it as an eight. Uh, it's really good. There's a lot of like dramatic, like, like horror type, type tension, like with the doorbells and like the, the looks of dread that our people are giving each other. So yeah, an eight in that regard. I'm going to go with, I'm going to put this at about a seven, um, because as rough as we are on Don Knotts and like how horrible the character of Barney Fife is, uh, I always kind of enjoy it when Barney's like, when Barney's behavior isn't really hurting anyone and really the like shittiness comes from around him as a reaction to him rather than being caused by him or him being the source of it. Uh, and when that's allowed to happen, Don Knotts is allowed to kind of let loose and create a character that's somewhat likable um, in certain instances. And he can really use his like lanky physicality for those big moments that Grant mentioned, which are, you know, again, pretty funny. So um, grading on a curve, really, uh, I'm going to go with a seven as well. Uh, and moving on to uh, the FIFO meter, how like, fucked up and how morally reprehensible is this episode i gotta say i still think it's incredibly mean-spirited what like andy does at the end and the show takes his side like it's not like no felonies are committed on this which is a weird bar that we have to like meet at this point yeah um so nobody commits a felony but they do like a man does gaslight the shit out of his best friend three times uh and like they inconvenience everybody and also deny the Jukas family a beautiful moment so, they can, <laughs> so that they could protect like the feelings of this one dipshit uh, rather than just have any kind of like conflict whatsoever. I'm talking a lot to basically say um, five score. I'm going to say also a seven. So yeah, it's not, it's not the worst, but it's, it's shitty. It's real shitty. I'm so, I mean, poor John masters, like, is pushed to the brink of his sanity, which is very well acted by whoever the dude who plays John Masters is. I mean, they, we, we've talked a lot about, like, the insane lengths they go on this show to, like, not confront people about any negative information whatsoever. And this is, like, really the peak of that. So, I mean, like, yeah, there, no puppies get kicked in this episode, but, like... Just, it's really deeply unsettling, just what the fuck we see here. Because it's basically a bunch of people being put through hell for almost no reason whatsoever. 
Like, a bunch of people have to, like, go to clandestine choir practices and waste a shitload of time and do a bunch of really stupid bullshit for no reason. So, I guess, like, a six? Uh, by the way, the guy who plays uh, John Masters, his name is Olin Soule. He was in a bunch of stuff. He was the voice of Batman on Super Friends. Are you shitting uh, me? Yeah, apparently. And we're going to see him a couple more times. I guess there's a few more choir-based episodes. So we're going to see John Masters at least four or five more times. He is the least Batman person ever. That's incredible. Yeah. Super Friends. Super Friends, That's dude. true, yeah. Uh, Grant, uh, you're, you're... I mean, I... After the ending, I take a very different tack on on this episode than either of you. Like, I agree that Andy was very cruel to his so-called friend. But, Mm -hmm. like, look, if you look at what happened, Barney got everything he wanted, even so. He got to have the the performance of his life. He got recognition. He got 10 bucks. That's not nothing. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Jukas was clearly harmed. But uh, for all of Andy's deceptions... All that he got was a headache for himself, uh, painted himself in a corner where he can no longer try to deceive Barney away from singing in his ear nine hours a day every single day of his life. Like, he is getting his karmic comeuppance uh, for his cruelty. So, Yeah, this is probably the first time we've seen Andy face consequences. This might be the most morally consistent the show has ever been. I mean, no, but, but like it it is definitely uh, uh, sympathetic to Andy's uh, motivations, but I I think it, it reveals that his uh, uh, tactics uh, are not always suited to the case. At, at least once, at least one time. You 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 know what I'm gonna say though is that Andy's crime for all the stupid shit that he did over the course of this episode, his punishment for that is this the the first scene of the episode. Yeah. So like and like you Andy for your crimes you are deemed to the thing that was already happening anyway. Well yeah, this <laughs> this came out before Mobile Suit Gundam. We we had to stick to the status quo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there could before Mobile Suit Gundam there was no expectations that viewers had any sort of long-term memory. They were just like these people have already forgotten the first half of the episode. Uh, so I guess I'm saying, uh, Barney meter a four, a All right, four. Fair, fair point. Fair point. I think I'm about ready to wrap us up here, yeah. folks. Um, that's it for this episode. This episode was of course, episode or season two, episode 20, Barney and the choir. We're going to circle wa- back and do Opie's metal because Opie's metal is nothing. So we'll probably combine that with an episode that is something. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out with that. Uh, Grant, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a good time. Yeah, uh, normally this is where I like let people promote stuff. So, but uh, <laughs> we did that up front. So I'm going to promote our own stuff. Oh, no, okay, no, 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 cool. Grant, promote your stuff again. Okay. This, well, this if how you, it works. If you liked hearing me talk about television, you can check out Sex Archie, where my wife and I do just that. We do Riverdale recaps, uh, which is a show that everyone recognizes has a lot of wild shit in it. 
So uh, <laughs> it, it suits the treatment a little better. The, the third series just wrapped. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, it might already be out on Netflix streaming. So uh, we are happy to be your uh, companion and or replacement uh, to see the best show on television. Uh, and they have the People's Choice Award to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marty, never let them not do uh endorsements of their stuff this this is the format of the show we don't Fair fuck point. with the formula and if you like Fair me point. talking about old stuff you can also hear my wife and i on history honeys uh alternating uh who is teaching who some fun stuff from the past uh like i mentioned i have an actual play show called six feet under i would really recommend uh the uh, Monster Hearts 2 uh, mini series we have going on there's only four parts out now at this time so it's not a big intimidating backlog, and I'm very proud of it. And you can check out chipandironicus.com, where my best buddy from high school and I uh, play video games together. He does the playing, I do the the talking, and he's also the funny one, so I don't know what, what my point is there. That's where you can find Grant. If you want to find us on the internet, don't forget we are on Twitter at Break Mayberry, uh, on Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, Instagram is Breaking Mayberry. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S C H N E I D Remarks. I'm at the Luds. Two D's. Oh, uh, Grant, where can we find you on the Twitter? Uh, I'm at Jen G E N underscore Ironicus. I R O N I C U S. That's pretty much it for us. Remember, if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon. If you don't want to support us with your money, you can always give us a wonderful like, share, subscribe, share us with your friends. Uh, you know, those reviews, those ratings that you leave on the podcaster of your choice, but preferably Apple Podcasts, those really help the algorithm, like, put us into people's search engines and uh, get us into the ears of other listeners. So that's a fun, simple, and easy way that you can support your local Breaking Mayberry. Uh, other than that, don't forget that the music you heard before was done by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitter as at Sleep Talkie. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Ask Again. That's it. That's all of our stuff. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a probably a combination episode. Uh, until then, we will see you all down at the fishing hole. Y'all come back now. <laughs> Something like that. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you.